We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 512 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host, and today we're talking about Barcelona's one nothing win over Sevilla with those five headlines. Of course, it's a match day. What else would we be doing? Yesterday's conversation with the purist, in case you missed it, is still very topical despite the Rafinha injury. And in fact, some of what we talked about becomes even more pressing with Rafinha's injury. So just so that you don't miss those kind of shows that the algorithm might not like as much as these five headlines, which Obviously, people like to see these more than they do the podcast. I get it. But subscribing to the YouTube channel is basically the only way you know that they happened. Or listen to everything on the podcast feed. Subscribe to wherever you're listening to this podcast. Turn on those notifications and let you know when the next one comes in. So again, hit that subscribe button real quick and let's get on with it. All right, here are those five headlines for that one nothing winner of Sevilla. Headline one is no cake, but Barca still ate. You know the phrase, right? You'll get your cake and eat it too. Well, if we use this analogy and take it way too far... With a cake is Barcelona scoring goals and eating it is winning the game. Xavi tried his best to give Kool-Aid some cake by starting not four midfielders, not three midfielders, but two midfielders and four attackers. Yet, even when I saw the starting lineup, I hope you'll indulge me being a bit boring just for a second here. Because yes, Rafinha as the right interior is a different profile, but the function of Xavi's team and the roles largely remain the same, which is kind of why Fermin Lopez coming in for Rafinha created very similar results in that game but we'll talk about Fermin Lopez in a bit. As I said on paper, it was still a 4-3-3. Balde, Christensen, Kunde, Cancelo, Gundogan as the pivot, Gavi as the left interior, Rafinha as the right interior, and Lamini Mall as the right winger, with him dropping quite a bit deeper than Jao Felix, and Lewandowski, of course, in the middle, with Jao Felix obviously on the left. So immediately, you could tell that the plan, with what I just said about the difference between Lamini Mall and Jao Felix, was to overload the left side, as Barcelona has been doing under Xavi and did under Ronald Koeman as well, and bring Rafinha much more central. Or Rafinha would, if not coming central and dropping a little bit deeper, would be an option to run into the half spaces along what is that 3-2-5 in attack. And with Rafinha pushing a bit higher into those half spaces or trying to make those runs in behind, that kept Luminium all a bit deeper in that rest defense, as you can see here. And this basically mirrors the usual setup with the Young as a left interior, forming that double pivot, but carrying the ball forward, and the other interior being high on the right. Today, the other little wrinkle was that Gabi was dropping deeper, and since Rafinha was so much higher, I would guess that Gabi was instructed not to dribble through the pressure and instead send the ball out to a wing, which is very different than what he did in the last three matches. 
you could see how frustrated that being Gabi was throughout the match when his teammates weren't sticking to that game plan because it often meant him defending for his life by starting from an out-of-position area on the field. So whenever that happened, he would have to go back and defend the counter or throw his body at him and potentially pick up another yellow card for him, which they started to add up here. Then he was frustrated with his teammates and he was fair to be. When Barca did have possession, as I said, it is important to note that they were still attacking in that 3-2-5. That formation and general premise for Xavi did not change even though the personnel and the profiles of that personnel greatly did in this match. Headline two is big chances didn't bite. So I will say that starting that other attacker in Rafinha as a midfielder, of course, that's likely going to create more attacking opportunities and more big chances, and that's what happened. But yet, as has been the case for two seasons with Xavi, this team still creates a ton of big chances, and they did so in this game as well, but, but with a bit more fireworks, yes. This team creates a ton of big chances. And I was asked if after this match, if a negative result had happened and it didn't, would I blame the tactics, aka the manager, or would I blame the players? And by the 35th minute or so, it was definitely apparent to me that I would be blaming the players if Barca didn't get a positive result. Those players missed four big chances in the game, had an XG of 2.53 to Sofia's 1.51, and you watch the game. Barca could have given up one, but they also should have scored at least three. And sure, if the players had scored four or five or six, then we're going to talk about individual quality and the talent of the team. And the players obviously will get the credit for that. When the team is doing well, we give a lot of credit to the players because they get to showcase their individual brilliance. And it's the manager's job to put his team in a position to succeed. And I felt like, again, after this one, Xavi put his team in a similar position with the formations he plays and the style he plays to put this group, even without Pedri and De Jong and Araujo in the starting lineup, in a good position to try to succeed. Early on, it was Jao Felix getting in a dangerous spot with Rafinha coming to the middle to pick up the ball and Balde trying to push in behind. Again, nothing new that we're not unfamiliar with. And the first big chance, though, comes in the 22nd minute. Cancelo, a nice move here, gets by three. Two with a dribble, one with the pass. It means that goal was wide open for Jao Felix, who made a perfect onside run inside as Lewandowski went to the back post. But unfortunately, Jao Felix misses, hits the underside of the bar. And at that point, the game really opened up more than normal. And this was the Rafinha effect here, starting another attacker in a spot for a midfielder, which, again, does make sense. You put another attacker on, more attacks. Rafinha in the foot race, and Sevilla survived without committing the foul. About midway through about the first half, that happened. And then Lewandowski got in behind. The tackle was clean. So Barca at that point could have been up 2.5 goals or 3 goals. Obviously, you can't score half a goal. Then the quarter comes. Kunde got up. but couldn't get it on frame. Another opportunity. Gabi and Lewandowski getting chances in the first 15 minutes of the second half. So it was very much the same when they started the second half as well. And going all the way to the 92nd minute when Barca had a chance to really put that game away. Gabi winning a header on a long outlet to set up Ferran Torres. And Gabi wanted Torres to find Lewandowski instead of taking the shot himself. He didn't, but another time when Barcelona couldn't have been up by 2-0 in that game. Headline three is Chris Midfield, because in the 34th minute, obviously one of the big headlines, and should be one of the headlines from this game, Rafinha goes down with a hamstring injury after slipping on the shot. Midfield depth at this point being so thin that Rafinha, the forward, as a midfielder gets hurt, Fermin Lopez replaced him in basically the same role. So they were able to continue a lot of what they were doing with Rafinha, with Fermin Lopez playing in the same role with the same function. For Rafinha, apparently it's going to be a month on the side of when the torn hamstring, which is a big yikes. That puts him on the same calendar as Pedri, with their availability questionable for El Clasico at the end of October. Fortunately, there was another international break, so less games for Barca to deal with without them. But also, unfortunately, there's another international break, another chance for players that aren't even fully fit yet, like Araujo, to get re-injured with their national teams. And speaking of Araujo, not much to say about that backline for Barcelona, which did not involve Ron Araujo today, which is a good thing. While the focus of this match review and most of the discourse is about Barca's lack of goals, that's still a clean sheet for Ter Stegen and company. 
This would have been a typical game last season without Araujo, where you can tell he was missing, but with Gundogan and Gavi helping out, that back line did its job to the letter and deserved some plaudits for their clean sheet. Christensen was typical Christensen, which has now and has since last season been a compliment, and Kunde was huge against his old team with clear after clear after clear. The big one came in the 85th minute, Jesus Navas running forward, Kunde slides in, saves another Sevilla opportunity, and yeah, Sevilla kind of probably deserved a goal in this one, and that backline for Barcelona was good enough, even with all the bodies being thrown forward on the attack. Valde also found that balance today, I thought, of attacking and defending to the point where Gabi in the second half gave him an earful that he hadn't made the run in behind. But Balde had stayed because Sevilla had already pushed two forward, and I don't think Gabi saw that second man. And Balde, at that point, was then in position for the ball that immediately came his way on the switch. No notes defensively, I thought Balde was good on the day. My one criticism of the youngster did come at the start of the second half. Balde missed the through ball to Lewandowski on the inside channel, missing that window and instead overhitting a ball in behind, trying to play that through ball. And that inside ball... Usually, Balde wants to dribble into that space, but because the defender took the right angle, it had to be a pass, and Balde didn't take the pass, and that's a pass that I would love for him to add to his game. I wish he had the confidence to try to hit that first ball. With his technical ability, you'd think that maybe he does have that in his toolbox. He just doesn't know how to use it yet. I will also say for his finishing product and passing and all that from Balde, as I tweeted out earlier today, I'm not that interested in worrying too much about Balde's final ball this season, because I think Kool-Aid's need a little more time between Balde and Jordi Alba. Alba had more assists than any other left back in the 21st century and was arguably the best crossing left back in that time too. So everybody needs to chill with those expectations. In truth, because there is an overload on the left so often, the crosses are supposed to come from the right more often. And Lamini Mall is a better crosser than Balde. And that's built on function. And it's also a good transition into the next headline. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Headline four is how much can Xavi ask? It's really hard with young players to know how far to push them especially when they're rising through the occasion. And that's what happened today with Gabi, Fermin Lopez, and Lamini Mall. Again, talking about that boring word function, Barca's success today came from the way that those three in particular function. Whether they were the three best players in the game or not, that's not what I'm saying. 
I'm saying that after seeing this match, Xavi must have headaches saying, well, I'd love to play them all 90 minutes because they perfectly fit the function of what this team is. But we can't push them into that stratosphere too quickly because football has taught us over and over and over again what happens when you do that too quickly. It's pretty interesting to me that as for some foreshadowing, Xavi admitted yesterday during the pre-match presser what the biggest problem would be today. Lamine Mall will have his time limited on the field. Of course, he has to. But when he is on the field, Barca need to be finding him more. Or you're going to keep giving up counters through the middle. It became a simple defensive issue. When they lost the ball not on the wings, Barca weren't compact enough because to attack in those central channels, they had to create distance between each other. Which means if you turn it over not on the wing, then you're too far apart to deal with a counter. And obviously that reminds me of the great issues between De Jong and Busquets. How to get the best out of both of them without making you super susceptible to the counters. It also sums up the value I saw with Demele when anything else. His teammates trusted him to take on two players, and they found him, and trusted him. Lamine Yamal had his hands up a lot in this match, calling for the ball. The most egregious that I could see came in the 59th minute. You have to find him here in this spot. Koundé could have found him. Jao Felix could have found him. Then you immediately saw him screaming about it, and he had a right to scream about it. There should have been a long ball. Even if he doesn't handle it well, or it's a tight angle, you still got to take that chance. Because if he does turn the ball over in that position, you are still set up with him losing it that high and wide to be able to defend any counters. And when they did find him, especially going downhill, good things happened. Like in the 39th minute, Gundogan slides through a tackle that breaks the midfield line of Sevilla. So a little bit of luck here, of course, but two white shirts again goes to Lamine Yamal, and he finds a pass to Fermi Lopez, who takes a good first touch, but can't get enough power on the shot to find the back of the net. Another example here in the 47th minute, really overloading that left side. And if you're going to do that, the ball has to go in either one or two passes over to the other side, and it didn't. Because when Barca didn't get that switch on, Sevilla were exploiting that space when they were able to take control. Sevilla doing well, attacking the high line through the middle. Rakitic got a shot off that way in the first half, and then Rakitic missed a header at the near post from the cross from Lamella. Y'all know how I rate Rakitic's time at Barcelona if you've been here for a while, but I was glad to see him miss those two opportunities. And I'm still happy for him that he gets to still be the guy for a huge club in Spain at this phase in his career. Moving from the medium all to Gabi, today was almost a complete 180 from the attacking and offensive praise I was giving him in the last few games. And that's not a bad thing because that's exactly what Barcelona needed. This game, he was asked to be De Young with a little less dribbling, as I already mentioned, because of the high right interior playing even higher than usual. And Gabi's defensive impact did not disappoint of what he was asked in this game. Gabi saved a goal in the 30th minute, doesn't commit the handball, but his body nonetheless knocks it away on a shot from Eric Lamella. The purist and I yesterday talked about Gabi, and I'll rave again about why I see an improvement from him this season. I feel like he's affecting games in more ways every game than he did last season. There's a consistency to his excellence that wasn't there last year, and I'm coming to expect a certain something from him every game. And it doesn't have to be everything. Maybe it's a defensive effort with a miracle or two. Maybe it's an important pass or two. Maybe it's a big header win. Maybe it's a goal. But seeing something at a high level from Gabi every match lets you know that he is right on track to where he needs to be in his development to be a star player in this game. And lastly, maybe compared to others I have, but I, based on my own standards, haven't talked that much about Fermin Lopez. But the question is the same with him as Lamine Yamal, even though he's four years older. Physically, he can play more than a 16-year-old. But just how good is this guy? The goal last game was really good positioning, but today I was most impressed by his instincts, and we also got to see much more of him than we've seen this season with him coming off the bench. Even in the academy, yeah, I know his size was a big deterrent back then, but I didn't see the elite decision-making and positional awareness there that I do now. The best stuff I saw from him was receiving the ball to his feet and then doing something with it either in the middle or on the wing, but he's just a radically better player than even two years ago. He has really good instincts to where the ball needs to move to keep moving forward, not too vertical, but just the right decision, 
And if that outlet isn't in position when he checks his shoulder, he does something like that wonderful dummy he had to get himself onto the races in the second half. He stays a bit high in his defensive position, which is a long-term concern for Xavi, but so is Rafinha, and they were set up this game for that, which is why Rafinha for Fermin Lopez felt so like-for-like, even though they have different dominant feet and are entirely different players. And he was so off the radar, I'm having a hard time kind of getting up to speed and accepting what he could be for this team this season. Like, we know when you look at Gabi and Lamine Mall and Pedri and even Araujo, the first time you see those guys, give me 90 or 180 minutes or 360 minutes, whatever, with those kids. And you're like, okay, yeah, that kid, you could put star in the future unless something goes wrong. And for me, Lopez, I don't know. I've never felt like he was a star. I would hope that he was going to be a first team professional. I thought he did have enough technical ability to do that somewhere. I never thought it'd be a Barcelona, of course, and I can admit that. Like, not every kid makes it. And in this generation, I wouldn't have expected that Fermin Lopez would be another one of those that was able to break through because you only have so many spots in your first team. And yet, Fermin Lopez is seizing this opportunity, and I'm getting a bit ahead of myself wondering what his ceiling can be. I don't think he is a star. I still don't say that. But I could also make the argument already is he going to be better than Carlos Alenia? Not only for Barcelona, but in a career? I mean, maybe. Like, he seems to have a bit more magic in his boots. He plays a bit farther forward, so he gets more opportunities to contribute to goals. But it's so hard to tell what his ceiling is now because of just how radically different he is from what I always saw in the academy even two years ago. And I know Xavi didn't trust him beyond being the sixth midfielder, while still playing a bit more than last season's sixth midfielder in Pablo Torre, but still featured for Barca Athletic and make appearances every few games for the first team. It's still a pretty distinguished role that we weren't expecting. But now you look at the depth chart and the starters are Oro Romeu, Gundogan, and Gabi, and Fermin Lopez. And Fermin Lopez is absolutely the one to rotate them as a starter or be the only option off the bench. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And headline five is thank you, Sergio Ramos. So yes, of course, I say this with spite, tongue in cheek, but that's how the goal was scored. It's a 1-0, it's an own goal. And yeah, as much as we can drag Sergio Ramos, a lot more credit goes to Lamine Mall. But as much as I would love to just drag Sergio Ramos for the goal and praise Lamine Mall, I actually think this goes on Mendelbar quite a bit. If you're going to blame Manchester for this, I would also blame Acuna quite a bit. He's an experienced left back and comes on and wasn't ready for this moment in this game. The goal comes right after the Sevilla subs came on. Mariano and Acuna. Acuna was slow to get into that game. So is that a trainer? Is that the player himself? Is that a manager maybe making the wrong decision at the wrong time, not reading that Barcelona were on the front foot? And maybe you don't swap out your outside back at that point, but maybe you did need to take that player out. Maybe he had run out of gas at that point, dealing with Lamini Mall throughout that game. Ferran Torres is the one who delivers it. Lamini Mall heading it back across goal, getting in behind Acuna. Sergio Ramos takes the touch into his own goal. I would have preferred Lamine Mall, as I said, getting his first goal, but almost as juicy as Ramos scoring away at Barcelona on his own goal. Really terrific stuff, of course, five stars. 
Fermi Lopez was there for the tap-in, and I do think that put Ramos in two minds, but yeah, he played, that being Ramos, a good game up to that point. And I think knowing him, he believed at that juncture that his team was going to at least get a point or was going to be deserving of three points potential. I think he was playing one off where he was going to expect out of his attack, but yeah, it doesn't happen that way. And instead, three points go the other way. And even with Sergio Ramos making his return to Catalonia, it wasn't even Ramos that added that little bit extra to this match. It was the Negreta stuff and controversies, which I will remind you, the charges you heard about were already announced and the media seems to have picked them up like they weren't six months old already. I'll repeat again. There's not really any need to comment any new information on the Negreta case because there is none. Until the final verdict, I'll again direct you to the explainer that I did six months ago, which is down in the comments below, about how, yeah, Barcelona might be guilty and Barcelona might not be guilty of all the charges. And you don't have to defend Barca, the club, if they're guilty of the charges. But they haven't been proven guilty of anything yet, and they won't be proven guilty of anything yet for still a while until this one gets through the Spanish courts. So it's going to be a while before anybody can actually pass any kind of judgment, including the Spanish courts, on this. So I'm not interested in defending Barcelona, the club, and those who used to be in charge of it that I'm not the biggest fan of, nor am I interested in saying that Barcelona did anything wrong at all because they have not been found guilty of anything. It was just Sevilla and the other teams in the Liga causing a bit of a stir because every club in Spain, including Barcelona, has a huge victim complex. All of them. Just constantly, this huge victim complex. Woe is me. And if you've been with me for a while, not to get too off the beaten track on this, but you know that I find that most organizations that are owned by a bunch of millionaires or billionaires or whatever, they all, of course, have victim complexes because that's what keeps people believing them. And that's PR stuff and brand stuff. Blah, 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 blah. So the Sevilla reps refused to attend a lunch with their Barca counterparts or sit in director's box at the stadium. Seems childish to me. So Barca said they severed all ties with Sevilla, calling their position of outrage unjustified and inappropriate. And I mean, with a squad that Sevilla currently has, and since Barca already took Koundé from them, I doubt much transfer activity will be taking place between the two anyway in the near future. And when it comes to big votes in Liga, the big two usually vote against everybody else anyway for their own self-interest as far as revenue sharing and all that other stuff. So it's not like Sevilla and Barca are united front on most things involving Liga at all. So there's one more game between the two this year. And I think that image at the end of the game with Ter Stegen and Rakitic, they came together to Barcelona in 2014. They're apparently pretty good friends off the field. And seeing that, yeah, there's no bad blood for them because the fans and even the players, not to say that they're absolved of any blame or anything, but yeah, generally the players and the fans are. It's the people in the suits that did whatever is wrong or didn't do that was wrong. You get my point. It's the people in the suits. It's not the fans. And so often it's not the players either. All right. So tomorrow or by the time you see this, it might have already happened. But who knew Girona versus Real Madrid would have the stakes it does this early in the season? Most culés will be watching that one after the rare Friday Barca game, and then it's full steam ahead with Champions League stuff for Porto, who took the 1-0 loss to rivals Benfica today. But Xavi will only be focused on his side, and the next time you hear from me, we will be talking about Porto, and we will be talking Champions League again. So until next time, as always, Forza Barca. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. 
For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.